Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and every week we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. Today on the Teacher Interview Podcast, we spend time with Trisha Hyun. She teaches at Parks Junior High School in Fullerton. Trisha, Dr. Trisha Hyun, (laughs) welcome. And so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited about this. Uh, The work is really fascinating to me. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. We've been trying to connect for a while, and um, um, you're busy. I'm just going to put it uh, lightly that way. You're you're busy, and we're going to hopefully dig in and find some some more out about you. So we know we have some interviews that I've done with people you've referred me to ahead of time. Yes. And so we're going to bring in their words um, as we as we go through but first would you tell me how you became a teacher or when you maybe first thought about it or seriously considered that what was that like for you uh, I was in the first grade no way <laughs> yes what? Uh, my parents moved us from Pennsylvania to California and when I got here I started kindergarten and it was so hard because I was a second language. I didn't know that I was a second language learner, and I only recently discovered that I probably should have should have been in an EL program, wow. and I wasn't. Wow! Uh, but I remember entering kindergarten. It was really rough, yeah. and uh, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Harris, taught me how to read. Wow! And I remember loving her, mm. just loving her. She was. I'm sorry, Miss. Ha- I'm sorry, Mrs. Harris was kindergarten. Miss Harvey was okay. first grade. And uh, I remember thinking that I wanted to be a teacher just like her, wow. you know, models and mentors. Yeah. Uh, but it probably didn't surface until ninth grade that okay. I realized, you know, teaching is something I really need to think about. Yeah. Well, then I went to UCI and was a bio major for two years because everyone was a bio major. That's what I, went, I went to UCI and I was a bio major <laughs> I mean, for about a year and a half. The, 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 the impetus on yeah, yeah. biology at yeah, that I'm school. Yes, you had to be, right? <laughs> and so all my friends in the dorm were doing that and I did it and thought, this is not <laughs> what I want to do. Yeah. And Do you I, remember what it was that was like set you, made you aware this was what you didn't want to do? Well, my ecology class and failing it twice. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and that was supposed to be the easiest class at UCI oh, for really? bio majors. Yes, wow. I just, it didn't, I, yes, let's change the subject. <laughs> yeah. Mine was chemistry, just so we're clear. Oh, okay, I okay. I dropped before the midterm and changed okay. majors. And it was, you know, I, I, there's a big park in the middle of UCI. Yeah, Aldridge Park. Yes, yeah. and I saw kids or students reading, you know, classmates sitting there reading yeah. with their blanket. And I thought, what are they doing? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I should take an English class or something because okay. they were reading the classics. And yeah. I remembered enjoying the classics in high school. Right. And so I started that first uh, class with be, you know, deciding to be an English major, and I loved it. 
Yeah. Absolutely yeah. loved it. And I added Latin and Greek and wow. just really loved learning the language, which brings us, wraps us right back around to yeah. kindergarten where yeah. I was a Korean speaker at home from okay. kinder through five years old. And then, you know, I show up to elementary school and everyone's speaking English. Yeah. And you're like, what's going on? Yeah. So I, that, I had a spark of curiosity when you said she taught your reading. And I was wondering if it was just being taught something or whether it was reading that was particularly important to you at that time. It's interesting because I don't remember a lot of Montessori the, prior to four years old. Mm. I don't remember a ton. I think the move had something to do with me not remembering a ton. Mm. Uh, so I'm not sure if if it was, well, I do remember Curious George. Yeah, right. <laughs> and how enjoyable those yeah. books were in the first that's, grade. That's great. So, yeah. That's a great memory. Yeah. Very cool. So then after college, how did you proceed from there? Teach ed program? Yes. Or? It okay. was Claremont Grad School, become a teacher, do an internship in your first year. Yeah. I did an internship in Cler at Claremont, in, yeah. at Claremont Unified mm -hmm. School District. I was a fourth grade teacher for a year and a half, but then I had, I got pregnant and I had to stay home for six years, which oh, interesting. I didn't really, that wasn't the plan yeah. considering I had just gotten the masters yeah. and uh, the, uh, the credential. And that was a large region, reason why I did the doctorate because when I came back, mm. be, it, leaving education in 1999, mm -hmm. And then showing up in 2006, <laughs> it's a whole different world. Because wow. now we have the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> and interesting. In 1999, they gave you a classroom and a plan book with no computer. In 2006, yeah. the Fullerton School District said, "Here's your MacBook." Yeah, right. <laughs> and here's an email address. Yeah. And I remember thinking, it's not going to hurt to go back to school and learn a few <laughs> things. How interesting. Uh, oh, okay, wow. That's wild. So 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 after you you had your child and you came back to work, so you've been in Fullerton ever yes, since then? Yes. Wow. And Fullerton and then, is a tough place to leave. And <laughs> and parks is a tougher place to so leave. So I pictured you when you said fourth grade, I just picture junior high all the way. So have there been other um, lower elementary experiences or has it been mostly junior high? It's such a great question. I, my first job was when I was 14, teaching, okay. teaching English oh, to a girl who lived clear across the city. I rode my bike to, did you? Her, to her house That's awesome. three days a week, taught English to her. Then I did a, a number of babysitting opportunities that involved teaching reading. Really? Yes. I love that. And then I tutored all through college oh, okay. for extra, yeah. you know, dollars. Yeah. And so, yes, I only taught fourth grade, but I felt by then I had felt like I taught every single grade yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody else, I think it's Carol, Carol Ann Curley, started by teaching piano lessons oh, to yes. neighborhood kids. Yes. And so it's interesting sometimes that theme is there, like yes. you're teaching all along. Yes. Okay. Well, let's dive into some of our um, our feedback from the people you gave me to um, to uh, interview. So this is from um, Dick Gale, and so his role. I met him this year through you. So would you say a little bit about who he is? Sure. He originally started as a history teacher. 
He started to work for CTA as a staff person, and then he took on CTA's nonprofit, which is called the Institute for Teaching. The Institute for Teaching has a motto, which is strength-based, teacher-driven mm. change. And so when I heard those five words, I was hooked. Mm. What does it mean to be strength-based, and what does it mean to drive the cha change yeah. as a teacher? Yeah. And so I've been working with them for a good two years now. I think we, I started in 2016. Mm -hmm. And every turn that I take in the area of leadership and union leadership mm -hmm. has been a really neat turn because I'm learning so much about the partnership that an administration has to have with their teachers. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's mm -hmm. good. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a quote from him. Okay. So this question, um, the question he is responding to is a moment when Trisha is being Trisha as only Trisha can. Oh, so it's so like nice. a very um, like archetypal moment. So and I've actually experienced this. So I, I this resonates with with me. He says so more than once he's seen you work a room full of people that you don't know well, and then just loving to meet them and learning about mm. them with like a lot of, um, in a genuinely inquisitive way. So oh, uh, I'm so curious nice. how that resonates with you. That is so nice. Uh, <laughs> is so it true? Nice. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I can't, I've never really, I've never really thought about that. However, I do like to do that. And I have said to my son that Although I'm an introvert and I need my introverted time, I love people. Hmm. And I have said to my son things like, uh, I'm a people person, I can tell right away. Like Malcolm Gladwell's book called Blink resonated hmm. with me right away because I felt for a very long time in my life that I had a sixth sense about people. Hmm. And if I meet someone, I really feel that I can know within seconds or right. minutes of yeah. talking to that person, their lens, where they're coming from, yeah. you know, it's the human experiences. Yeah. And I think that having had so many strange and, uh, you know, just diverse experiences in life, mm. I'm so curious about everyone's experiences. So let's go back to the, I think the the Gladwell book is, if I remember right, it's it's about those like how we form decisions, almost before it seems like you can even have proper data. But those like intuitions yes. are something we should pay attention to. Yes. So I'm really curious about that, and then I want to go back to, what does it mean to you to be genuinely inquisitive about people? Like you're curious, what about like if you are getting to know somebody, what kinds of questions are you asking or um, what are you curious mm, about? That's a really good question. Well, the setting he's talking about is a lot of presentations that I've been doing with CTA. Okay. And so a lot of the presentations and the audiences that I've been in front of are um, new teachers. Oh, and so I'm very curious as to 
issues of equity, for example. I'm very mm. curious as to where they're coming from, what school district, where in California, mm. is, is the area remote? Mm. And if it is remote, then do you have iPads at your school and are you guys one-to-one -one the way that the Fullerton School District is one-to-one? -one? And nine times out of 10, they have very few resources or very mm. little to yeah. access. Right. Their children have, um, they, they don't have internet at home. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I'm really fascinated by that because like the other, about a month ago, I went to Ontario to do a presentation to, to middle school teachers about 40 middle school teachers and to try and tailor the presentation to an audience mm -hmm. where the children do not have internet at home. Right. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. yeah. And so I do love to know, you know, yeah. language arts people, our big thing is know your audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's really, that really makes sense in terms of professional development, but it's also, it, it, it's definitely representative of the classroom too, mm -hmm. is getting to know students. Mm -hmm. So let's see if we can um, take this. So it's interesting, you're making like quick decisions when you meet people and kind of getting a few data points mm -hmm. about tailing a pres uh, professional development um, presentation. Um, one of the other things we talked about is intuition. Mm -hmm. So how does intuition play into relationships when, like, if you're trying to make a friend, you can say, hmm, this is not going to work out. I'm going to go look elsewhere. But in professional development or in the classroom, those are the people who we have in front of us for the, the day or the, the right. year. So how, how do you use intuition when you're in a relationship that you're, for lack of a better word, committed to? You're supposed to be mm -hmm. the teacher for the year or the professional development provider for the session. But you have these intuitions about people. So how do mm -hmm. you filter that or set things aside or really right. embrace your intuition. Talk right. about that a little bit. Well, when you when you talk about intuition, my first reaction is trust building, mm -hmm. uh, the, the values, the ethics, the principles, the morals that people have. So a lot of adult learning wraps around transparency and trusting the mm -hmm. audience and trusting that your presenter, for example, will, and, and myself as a classroom teacher, will give the children the benefit of the doubt or give them an opportunity to build trusting relationships with their peers or with their teacher. Mm. So I think some of the biggest mistakes that I've made as a presenter wrapped around not knowing the audience mm. and allowing them to trust that I was not gonna leave them out and forget about them because I went two miles forward in this direction and they were five miles back on, yeah. in a different direction and you lose them right away. The yeah. minute you make an assumption or the minute you, uh, mm. you create a lens that is not wider mm. and too narrow, yeah. you're gonna lose half the audience. So my intuition oftentimes wraps around, for example, quick decision-making just this week I had to make some really quick decisions and it wrapped around what is your gut instinct that is good and right and true and virtuous. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm wrong a lot of times, <laughs> but at least I try to yeah, yeah. wrap around those, the morals and the principles, values and the yeah. ethics. So let's take the theme of the, the podcast or the interview 
eventually we'll get to innovation and I see it like a way to connect it. So as you're, you mentioned like going two miles in this direction and your audience is five miles back. So sometimes with innovation, we're trying to go into new territory and either our colleagues or the students may not be mm -hmm. there with us. So how do you use your intuition and those trust, um, building trusting relationships, like when it's like trying something crazy new, mm -hmm. risky in the classroom? I think the most valuable thing that I've learned in the past two or three years is to know thyself and trust myself. Mm. Uh, trust that I have, I can only be me. Mm. So it, in the case of innovation, if I saw you working like this, all this equipment right now and wanting to learn what Wes Kriesel knows, mm -hmm. <laughs> but looking at this and being able to say honestly and uh, candidly, what is this? Mm. And, and wanting to know yet trusting that that you're a great teacher and willing to teach it to me so that I can use this, for example, in my classroom. So um, when you say innovations, the first thing that comes to mind are the number of errors that, <laughs> you know, that, that I will have to make. Yeah, that are down that road. Yes, yeah. and, and being okay with those errors. Yeah. Because I remember speaking at, at Q in Napa okay. about two or three years ago. And Jay McPhail was like in his first year with, uh, with FSD. And I remember thinking, wow, they showed up. This is great. Well, it was a complete flop. Oh. I, I, I didn't feel good about it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't feel good about it. Yeah. And I had to learn that you can only be yourself. Yeah. And if people aren't going to like it or trust it, or, mm. you know, they're gonna trust you for who you are, mm. and you have to give them that benefit of that doubt, right? Yeah. And, you know, they were so kind and nice. They were like, it was great, it was fantastic. But inside, I didn't feel good about it. Yeah. And so, innovation, I had to make the mistake, yeah. uh, you know, really make the mistake. Yeah. And then I had to work at it for a year or two. Mm. and make the mistake several more times yeah. and keep my head up high through it all yeah. <laughs> and think about, you know, things that your parents have told you, for example, know thyself, know, where, know yeah. from where you have come yeah. and just keep marching forward with your head up high. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot there because there's that idea of knowing yourself. So if somebody comes alongside you and they're doing something different and innovative, like it, it said, like you, it sounds like you're almost saying, give yourself permission to ask, what is that? Can you yeah. share with me? So like humility is part of that. Exactly, that's um, a good one, humility. And you can be humble and not be brave enough to ask the question or yes. take the risk of, I don't know what that is, can you explain it? Right. So there's humility and risk taking, but then that part about making errors and just accepting that as part of the path, that's, that's something else entirely. So yeah. there's a lot going yes, on there. right, and the trust that you're requiring or you're asking me to, or you're thinking about asking me to learn this innovation, but I really don't want to, what, mm. what happens there? And then yeah. trusting that you're okay with, I'm not there yet. Yeah. But do you have something else that I can learn? Right. Because that looks really hard to me. <laughs> right, that's interesting. So part of it, so the trust goes both ways, is mm -hmm. if somebody's trying to lead somebody down a path, 
I mean, they they have to build trust to take the person there. But then it goes back the other way. You have to you have to respect the person enough to go. This is maybe not where we need to go right now. Right. Let's ask where where the let's say teacher wants to go yes. in terms of innovation or trying something new. Right. That's good. Um, I have another moment I'd like to share with you and see. Um, um, so this is from Mike, and you just um, introduced me to Mike, and he's a counselor at Parks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so his moment, I asked, when is, uh, share a moment when Trisha's being Trisha as only Trisha can. So he said, you invited him to be a part of the Orange County teaching think tank. And so here's, I'm going to almost just read this verbatim. She asked me, quote, fully prepared with her rationale, ready to address any excuse I might have not to participate. Even with um, as little as free time as you allow yourself, she thought it through and she had a plan at the ready for my assent or refusal. Given that, how could I refuse? So do you remember this moment? Yes, I do. So what is that when he says like you came prepared to ask him to participate, like prepared to the hilt almost. Um, Is that a typical way you operate? Is that familiar or is that kind of an exception? It's familiar in (laughs) that, and I don't know if this is gonna come off wrong, but if I know I want something, I do want to be prepared Mm. to face any obstacles or barriers. Yeah. And generally, I have been very blessed to have lived lived a passion-based lifestyle Mm. where... Say more about that. I consider myself very lucky that I wasn't that child who was told you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer and you have to do this or you have to do that. I was very lucky in that I was told, do what pleases you. (laughs) Like just really enjoy your life, passion based. Then again, my father was rarely in our lives because he was so passion driven that Mm. he lived, breathed his craft and his, Mm. uh, his sport and the things that he enjoyed doing. And so, again, I consider it a great privilege that I got to live this passion-based life. So you piqued my interest. His craft and sport, is that something you need to say more about? Oh, yes, sure. (laughs) My father is an avid golfer. Oh, And golf can consume you as any sport can. Yeah. But to the point of, he was in tournaments every weekend. Wow. And he would come home on Sunday and have a trophy behind his back. And he would say, what place? <laughs> wow. And we would always go first, second, or third. You know, like we would say a number. Yeah. And he would present this big trophy. He had trophies that were so large, like the Tom Bradley trophy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> they, 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 you know, two feet by two feet, two feet high. Oh yes. Gosh. That's and incredible. It was. <laughs> and, and he did this for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and so my model yeah. was... Do what you do, do it well, and do it a lot. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. it's terrible. That's interesting. Yeah, good and bad because you know, at the end of the day, you you need to spend time with your father. Yeah, and so yeah. he has made up for it after <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when he had to stop playing due to age, uh, and so he has made up for it in the last twenty years, and we joke about it to this day. That's interesting. That he has had to spend a lot of time with me and my children. Yeah, because he was so busy when I yeah. was 
when he was trying to raise us. Yeah. So. Um, and that's interesting. That's I mean, I just want to express appreci- appreciation that he's there and around and able to do that. Yeah. You know, because right. sometimes you hear those stories where somebody wasn't there and right. then it's too late. Yeah. Good point. Good so, point. Yeah. So that that's a great. Um, that's a great one. So we were, we were talking about, so that's where that passion-based um, kind of lifestyle came from. Yes. How do, how do you reconcile that with the classroom? Because sometimes the classroom is maybe seen as there's certain things you have to do and, and mm-hmm. people's individuality or creativity sometimes get set by the sidelines. So that's where the strength-based movement merges with my life, which mm. is when I think about the way I was as a student or a college student, I go back and I think about the moments when I felt great about myself or I felt that I did it, you know, yeah. that epic win. Yeah. And generally it was wrapped around strengths. So if, if I was really good at something, then I felt great about it. That sounds like such common sense, right? So uh, I was really great at reading and looking at text. And I remember in English class, mm. raising my hand and connecting the text to a a biblical story or an art piece that I had seen. And so that strength resonates and the passion is really strengths. Mm -hmm. And so Dick Gale was the one who introduced me to the Strengths Finder book. And I took the test and you know, in college we take the Myers-Briggs exam. We have the multiple intelligences that we do with our students. And then just recently I did the Strengths Finder one and the connected, I was one of my strengths is connector, which makes interesting. Yes, from that story, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So working the room yes. and being generally right. genuinely interested in people. Yes, and, and connecting people. Yeah. So yeah, right. There's a point in getting to know somebody. It's because you can connect them to somebody else who yes. can help them. Yes. Or uh, where they may have a, a, a potential mm-hmm. for a great relationship. That's yes. interesting. Yes, yeah. And so I think your question was wrapped around classroom, right? Classroom instruction, right, how, right. how we... How do you right. bring that so, passion base back into the classroom? So ideally, you, you want to see your students create their successes based on some things that you know about what success feels like or looks mm. like in your own life and, and in the people around us. So we might mm. study you know, Martin Luther King or study uh, different heroes in culturally in our, um, in our country and in other countries in the world to know, um, to, to know where success comes from and how we get there. Mm-hmm. And so in the classroom, I do believe that if we can all of us can, the the community, the people who are out in our cities helping raise our children in the Fullerton School District, uh, the teachers, the administration, if everyone truly believed that every single child had a talent or a strength Mm -hmm. and we had to uh, foster it Mm -hmm. and, and nurture it Mm -hmm. and provide opportunities for them to use that talent, then they will find their strengths and use their strengths by either opening a coffee shop Mm -hmm. or becoming a watchmaker Mm -hmm. or doctor Mm -hmm. or teacher or a philanthropist. Mm -hmm. 
So I just, I, I really see that as the dream. Yeah. That if we're in education, we're in it for the kids. All of mm -hmm. us are. Yeah. And what do we all know about the children? We all know that they come into the world with a set of talents or strengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, so a couple of words that just come back to me from this conversation. Um, you talked about valuing meeting a lot of people because of the diversity of experience. So diversity, equity, you also talked about, you know, when you're doing professional development and being wanting to be aware of what other people's situations were, mm -hmm. whether it's one-to-one -one iPads. Um, so diversity, equity, and then so the passion base. So it's really interesting to me. Um, like you, it's almost like a moral imperative. Like we have to nurture each of these individuals as they are. Yes. Um, so that that really means being aware of how we're different. Yeah. And then also making sure if we're different and we need different resources to get to the same goal. To me, that's one of the definitions of equity: is different resources to get to the same uh, solution or outcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's really interesting. So then. So then the passion-based uh, approach is kind of a wild ride because it's, it's <laughs> it not easy. It's not it just isn't. like, it's not just read this and we're all gonna right. do the worksheet. <clears throat> um, right. So say more about that. What does it take to go down that, um, if it's not the easiest path, what does it take if somebody else was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna know more about that. What, what should they enter into that investigation with? What kinds of attributes would Teacher. I think the, uh, the hardest part is truly accepting failure. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, it sounds so deficit-based, but um, what I mean by that is to attempt the personalized learning modality and the approach of approaching every child's strengths, to, to, to go in that direction is a little slower at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So you have to be okay with slow mm -hmm. in the beginning. And then you're gonna, there's a couple of steps you're gonna miss mm -hmm. and there's failure involved because the lesson isn't exactly the way that you planned it mm -hmm. because although I wanted everyone to do this assignment with paper and pencil or on a particular app, mm -hmm. child X here can't do it that way because not only is it not his strength, but it's actually, mm. you know, the, the worst way for this child That's to learn. Right. So wow. if the if the sound of the pencil touching the paper hurts a child's ears, right. the last thing I need is for that child to be holding that pencil, right. putting it to paper. That's so interesting. So that child really needs the app mm. that involves rhythm or music or yeah. the innovations that, yeah. that we are creating for them. And when you express it that way, then it brings me back to that means there's there's a need for humility to say, I plan this, the child doesn't need that, the child needs something else. And so I have to kind of put my ego aside, my pride aside and go and get that curiosity mindset going, what is it that they need yes. if what I planned isn't it? Right. Interesting. Well, we're, we're over the 30 minute mark oh, no. already. Oh, no. But so we're gonna wrap up, but we're gonna do, um, a couple of kind of like a speed round so okay. um so <laughs> one of the questions that i asked uh, of the people i interviewed was give me one word to represent trisha 
what's interesting is neither one of them gave me one word. They gave me multiple oh. one word answers. So that's telling in itself. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pass you one of the words and ask you to give an example of how that's true from your life. Okay. So this is tough. It's like Yeah, that does sound like hard. Okay, so um, Dick Gale said visionary. So go, mm. you're on the clock. Explain how you're a visionary. I have a vision for all children in California. Ooh, that's and, good. Yeah, the, the goal is small. The large would be nation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just California. Well, yeah. yeah, just okay. California. Check, you passed yeah. the test. Okay. All right, now down here, Mike said he had several mindsets, but I'm going to, or several, oops, I gave away part of the answer. Um, so I'm going to say growth mindset. So mm-hmm. how's that true about you? What's an example you give to say? Yeah, growth mindset. I absolutely love learning and will never stop. <laughs> Give me an example, a recent example of learning something new. I watched a first year teacher give a lesson and it was one of the greatest learning opportunities oh. on pedagogy. Wow. And how to teach. Awesome. Love it. Love it. All right. Here's another word. This is from this is from Dick. Passionate. Oh, I already know. I've seen examples just in this conversation. But what's an example that you would say um, demonstrates that you're passionate? My two children at home okay. have received and have uh, been my passion project mm. for the last 18 years because mm. my daughter turns 18 in October. Oh, wow. Yeah, so 18 years of a passion project. I'm a little tired. (laughs) Plus a full-time job. You're almost there. (laughs) Yeah. So I have three more years to go with my son. Interesting. Okay. Um, And Mike, we'll we'll end it here. Um, Let's see. There's some that he shared, like on a mission. I think that fits with visionary. You've already shared that. Um, Dynamic. Oh, that's a nice. That's so nice. Uh, I'm changing all the time. Mm, That's interesting. Yes, just changing all the time. I I don't know why. I'm not sure on that one. Mm -hmm. But I do know that I'm very willing to change and willing to accept change. I'm not afraid of change. Mm, I think that's great. Well, that's, that takes us well Thank to the, so the end of um, our podcast and interview. And this has been great. Thank I you. feel like I've learned a lot. Well, that is so nice of you. I feel like I learned a lot from you, too, actually. This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.